0: Welcome, everyone, to the Hike's Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. Week 7 was absolutely insane. Air Force outlasted Wyoming and was rewarded with a top 25 ranking. Colorado State pulled off a miracle to beat Boise State, and several other teams got important wins. We'll then go over everything to come in Week 8. We'll also have an extra segment. Make sure to stick around for team MVPs. As always, we'll finish the show by handing out this week's Hike's Peak weekly MVP. Let's get right into it. With the Friday night showdown of Fresno State going to Logan to play Utah State, the week started with an absolute barn burner. There were six total lead changes in this game. The Bulldogs opened the scoring with a 98-yard drive that Malik Sharad polished off with a touchdown run. The Aggies responded with a 29-yard connection from Cooper Laga to Jalen Royals. The scoring stopped for a bit before Logan Fife found Trey Watson in the end zone to take the lead. That's right. Mikey Keene did not play in this game. Utah State would tie it up at 14 before halftime, though, with another Jalen Royals touchdown, this time a 52-yarder. Elliot Nimrod's 37-yard field goal to open the second half gave Utah State their first lead of the day, but Malik Sherrod's second touchdown run, a 46-yard house call, would give it right back to the Bulldogs. They extended their lead on their next drive using some trickery with wide receiver Jalen Gill, throwing Trey Watson his second touchdown of the day to go up 28-7. 17. Devo Bridges picked off Cooper Legat deep in Bulldog territory for the first turnover of the game, but nothing came of it. The Aggies cut into the lead with a 43-yard catch and run from Terrell Vaughn, as well as the two-point conversion to make it 28-25. Fresno State would push their lead to six with a chip-shot field goal with 10 minutes to play, but the Aggies took a one-point lead on a Rashul Faison 24-yard scamper to the house with five minutes left. Keeping their composure, the Bulldogs got a couple of chunk plays before Malik Shiraz Third touchdown run of the day put them up 37-32 with two minutes to play. Utah State got their game-winning drive into Fresno territory, but an incredible Spider-Man-esque interception from Maurice Norris would seal the game for the defending champions. Despite a spirited effort, Cooper Lega and the Aggies made one too many mistakes to pull off the upset. While Fresno State survives a shaky defensive outing to get back into the win column after their loss in Laram. Logan Fife had a pretty solid game, 22 of 39, 291 passing yards and a touchdown. Malik Sherrod was the star of the game for the Bulldogs. 24 carries, 131 rushing yards, and three touchdowns also at 35 receiving yards. Tight end Trey Watson had his best game of the year with five catches, 76 receiving yards, and two touchdowns, which all led the team. Jalen Gill didn't catch the ball too much, but he did throw that touchdown. Safeties Phoenix Jackson and Dean Clark both had 10 tackles. Sophomore Jacob Holmes continues to impress with five tackles and two sacks. Malachi Langley had eight tackles and a sack. And Devo Bridges and Maurice Norris both had five tackles and an interception. Despite the two interceptions, Cooper Lagat continues to impress in his second stint as Utah State's starting quarterback. 23 of 40, 363 passing yards, three touchdowns, and those two interceptions also ran for 43 yards. Rushul Faison had a solid game of 12 carries, 75 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Royals continues to break out onto the scene with seven catches, 125 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Vaughn does what he does, seven catches, catches 119 receiving yards and a touchdown. MJ Tefisi had an insane 17 tackles and a deflection. Anthony Switzer had 10 tackles and Ike Larson had nine tackles. Next up, we have Boise State going on the road to play Colorado State. This game may be the front runner for the game of the year in the Mountain West. The first half was the Ashton Genty show with him leading the Broncos to a 17-0 lead with 167 yards and two touchdown runs. The Rams offense was lifeless with five three and outs and a block Field goal on the last play of the half. Sure, Colorado State started to get going in the third quarter with a Van Shield touchdown run and a field goal cutting the lead to seven, but Boise scored 17 straight points to go up 30 to 10, using a Braden Fowler Nicolosi interception to set up Gentee's third touchdown run of the night. The Rams' first ever win over Boise State wouldn't be coming this year. Braden Fowler Nicolosi marched down the field and hit Lewis Brown the fourth for a touchdown to make it 30 to 17 with four minutes to play. The Rams recovered the the onside kick on the next play and found the end zone again with two minutes to go. The game looked to be over for a moment after a fourth down throw hit the turf, but a defensive pass interference call drawn by Tory Horton kept the game alive. Colorado State then recovered a second straight onside kick, but it was called back because one of the Rams players started blocking before the ball went 10 yards, but the defense stepped up like it had all second half and forced a three and out to give Colorado State a chance with 33 seconds and no timeouts. BFN hit Dylan Goffney on a curl for a first down, but he got hurt on the play, stopping the clock at 17 seconds. Fowler Nicolosi then found Torrey Horton on a deep post for a 44 yard bomb, and after a quick spike, the Rams had a Hail Mary shot with 6 seconds left at the 33 yard line. BFN dropped back and hoisted the ball towards the right corner of the end zone. About 11 guys jump up for the ball, and Bronco corner Kawanoe kaniho wisely swats the ball towards the ground. The only problem was that trailing the massive. Bodies that jumped for the ball was tight end Dolan Hulker about a step and a half behind leaving him in perfect position to dive in and snag the football inches away from the ground Touchdown Ram. Canvas Stadium explodes. The bench loses their mind to the point of getting an unsportsmanlike penalty. Hide at 30. Jordan Noise lined up for the 35 yard extra point and sent it right down the middle in one of the most incredible comebacks you'll ever see. Colorado State scored three touchdowns in the final four minutes to win the game after being down 30 to 10. In my game recap, I called it the four-minute miracle. It's the largest comeback in program history in the Rams' first ever victory over Boise State. The vibes in Fort Collins are beyond immaculate. In Boise, the fans are demanding someone loses their job, and despite another MVP effort from Ashton Genty, the Broncos fall to 3-4. and four. Braden Fowler and Nicolosi, despite his slow start, ended up with quite the stat line. 32 of 54, 359 passing yards, 3 touchdowns, and an interception. He was just superb in the end of that game. And Shield, 51 rushing yards and a touchdown. Corey Horton had 10 catches and 130 receiving yards, none bigger than that last catch. Dolan Holker had had seven catches, 85 receiving yards, and of course, that touchdown on the Hail Mary. SMU transfer Dylan Goffney had his best game of the year, seven catches and 85 receiving yards. Jack Howell finished with 15 tackles and a deflection. Bomb Jock and Justin Sanchez both had nine tackles. And Henry Blackburn and Anusium both had four tackles and an interception. The two QB system for Boise had probably its roughest outing of the experiment so far. Maddox Madsen, 10 of 16, 110 passing yards and an interception. Taylor Green wasn't too much of a factor. Ashton Gentry had just an insane stat line as he always seems to have. 31 carries, 212 rushing yards, three touchdowns, and also had 42 receiving yards. Although when you consider how much of that came in the first half, it is a pretty impressive recovery from the Rams in that second half. A big reason why that comeback was even possible. Marco Notarini had 10 tackles. Andrew Simpson had five tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack and an interception. And Ahmed Hassanane had four tackles, one and a half tackles for loss and a sack. Next, we have a rivalry game, UNLV going to play Nevada. The battle for the Fremont Cannon started with two Rebel touchdowns, a 59-yard bomb to Ricky White from Jaden Maiava, and a one-yard run from Donovan Lester. The Wolfpack struck back with a 43-yard touchdown to DeLavon Campbell, but then they got hit by Deja Vu in the second quarter, with Donovan Lester scoring a 16-yard touchdown, followed by another Ricky White house call, this time an 82-yarder to make it 28-7. That score was would hold into halftime and Donovan Lester struck one more time to open the third, going 66 yards to the crib. Brendan Lewis led a nice response drive that he ended with a six-yard scramble into the end zone to cut the rebel lead to 21, which they cut to 18 at the beginning of the fourth quarter with a Sean Dollars touchdown run. Unfortunately, Nevada couldn't find any more offense, and the game was over when Vincent Davis Jr. took the handoff nine yards into the end zone to make it 45 to 20 with three minutes to go. The Wolfpack did get. At one more touchdown before the buzzer sounded, but UNLV ultimately cruised to 5-1 while Nevada continues to search for a win as they fall to 0-6. Jaden Maiava continues to impress as just a freshman. 19 of 24, 259 passing yards, two touchdowns, and 32 rushing yards. Also did have a fumble. Donovan Lester had an incredible game, 10 carries, 99 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. Vincent Davis Jr. had 17 carries, 71 rushing yards, and that touchdown at the end of the game. Ricky White continues to be one of the best big play receivers in the conference. Seven catches, 166 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Jackson Woodard had nine tackles, half of a tackle for loss, and an interception. And Jonathan Baldwin had six tackles, a deflection, and an interception. Brendan Lewis can't cut out the turnovers, but he is starting to be more productive. 16 of 31, 287 passing yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Also was by far Nevada's top rusher with 15 carries, 115 rushing yards, and a touchdown did have a fumble as well. Sean Dollars finished with 19 carries, 66 rushing yards and a touchdown. Levon Campbell had a nice game of three catches, 93 receiving yards and a touchdown. Imani Johnson finished with 12 tackles and Elijah Winston finished with five tackles, two tackles for loss and a sack. Next we have San Jose State traveling to Albuquerque to play New Mexico. The offenses took a bit to get going with the Lobos converting on a field goal to take a lead in the first quarter but the Spartans found the end zone first after blocking a punt and recovering it for the touchdown. Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt would put New Mexico back in front with a touchdown run before Kyrie Robinson had his own touchdown run of 35 yards to go up 14 to 10. DeCorey Krosky Merritt struck again before halftime though with his second touchdown run of the day with 31 seconds left in the half. Unfortunately, the second half was much less friendly to the Lobos. On the first play of the second half, Kyrie Robinson took a screen pass 55 yards to the house to put the Spartans on top 21 to 17. It snowballed from there with New Mexico going three and out five of their next six drives and the one exception was a one play drive that was an interception. Chevin Cordero's first touchdown throw of the day was a 55 yarder to Nick Nash and after a field goal and Kyrie Robinson's third touchdown put San Jose State up by 21, it was all but over. Just to be safe, Kyrie Robinson ran in one more touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter and Quali Conley converted on one more touchdown before the end of the game to make it 52-17. Freshman Devin Pierre came in relief for Dylan Hopkins and led a garbage-time touchdown drive to salvage something from what was a nightmare second half. The Spartans finally beat an FBS team and look better than ever, while the Lobos drop a winnable one as they head into a make-or-break matchup with Hawaii, which they likely must win to make a bowl game. Devin Cordero only threw the ball 17 times, but he was very effective. 8 of 17, 272 passing yards, and two touchdowns. Kyrie Robinson had one of his best performances of his career. 15 carries, 126 rushing yards and three touchdowns, and then he also had 63 receiving yards and that 55-yard touchdown on the screen pass. Wally Conley had a nice day, 10 carries, 123 rushing yards and a touchdown, also had 61 receiving yards. Nick Nash had that 55-yard touchdown catch. Ryan Parham finished the game with eight tackles, and Javion Cole had three tackles, two deflections, and an interception. Dylan Hopkins struggled 13 of 24, 187 yards and a pick. Corey Krosky-Marriott finished with 17 carries, 68 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Besides, those two early scores didn't have too much of an impact on the game, though a big part of that is because they were down in the second half, couldn't run the ball too much. DJ Washington had three catches for 60 receiving yards and a touchdown, and Alec Marenko had five tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, and a deflection. By far the biggest game of the week was Wyoming traveling to Colorado Springs to take on air Force, one of the most consequential games of the year so far. Both teams would be able to use this win to propel their New Year's six chances. The Cowboys got off to a hot start going up 14-0 in the first quarter thanks to two touchdowns from Andrew Peasley, one throwing and one running. Air Force responded with a 15-yard Owen Burke score to cut the lead in half, and after John Hoyland missed a long field goal, they tied it up with a John Lee Eldridge third scamper to the end zone from 15 yards out. Wyoming had another impressive drive that ended with Andrew Peasley's second touchdown throw of the first half to take a 21-14 lead. The Falcons almost got into the end zone again before halftime, but had to settle for a short field goal to make it a four-point game. Air Force opened the second half with the most Air Force drive possible, a 17-play 10-minute long odyssey that ended with Zach Larrier punching it in from one yard away. They tacked on to their first lead of the game with a 43-yard field goal to go up by six with 11 minutes to go. All seemed well after the Cowboys punted for the second time in a row, but disaster struck with Emmanuel Michelle fumbling early in the drive, leading to an easy touchdown from Andrew Peasley to Trayton Welch, but somehow star safety Trey Taylor broke through the line and blocked the extra point attempt, keeping the game knotted at 27 with six minutes left. On the very next play, Air Force fumbled again. Wyoming recovered and had a golden opportunity to take the lead, but the offense went three and out and John Hoyland missed the ensuing 52-yard try. The Falcons took advantage of their good fortunes with John Lee Eldridge III taking a pitch 58 yards to the house to give Air Force a 34-27 lead with two minutes remaining. Cowboys couldn't even pick up a first down on their final drive sealing a hard-fought gutsy win for Troy Calhoun's squad. The Falcons are now ranked number 22 in the country and are in the driver's seat for the group of five New Year's Six bid. Wyoming will have the bye week to lick its wounds and prepare for a road test on the blue turf and despite their season's incredible start a New Year's Six berth appears to not be in the cards for them. Zach Larrier had another very nice game, six of nine, 58 passing yards and a touchdown and ran for 111 yards and a touchdown. Although unfortunately he did suffer a knee injury, which it has been announced will keep him out for an indefinite amount of time. It does seem as though Ben Britton will be the next man up. John Lee Eldridge III continues to make dynamic plays all over the field. Three carries for 65 yards and a touchdown. And he also had that 17 yard receiving touchdown. Emmanuel Michelle had 22 carries. 97 rushing yards and that fumble. Ray Taylor had 10 tackles, a tackle for loss, and that blocked extra point. Alec Mock finished with 10 tackles as well. P.J. Ramsey, Peyton Zadroyuk, and Bo Richter all had a sack. Andrew Peasley, despite the loss, played quite well. 15 of 25, 212 passing yards, three touchdowns, and he had 48 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground. The Cowboys definitely missed Harrison Whaley, but Sam Scott did all right in his absence. 14 carries, 43 rushing yards, and he also had three catches and 43 receiving yards which both led the team. Easton Gibbs finished with 12 tackles and a forced fumble and Sebastian Harsh finished with 8 tackles and a tackle for loss. In the final game of the week is San Diego State taking on Hawaii. This was a super intriguing matchup and it couldn't have been a worse start for the Rainbow Warriors. They went 3-and-out to start, got their punt blocked, and gave up an easy field goal. Two 3-and-outs later, the Aztecs found the end zone with freshman Lucky Sutton. They'd punt once more before Peter Manuma picked off Jalen Maiden. to give Hawaii their best field position so far, so naturally Braden Shager throws a bad ball that's yoinked out of the air by Deshaun McEwen, who takes it 70 yards for the pick six. Down 17 nothing early, no one would have blamed Hawaii for folding, but they kept battling. Braden Shager found Pofaile Ashlock for a 17-yard touchdown on their next drive, and he threw one more touchdown before halftime to make it 17-14. Both teams traded field goals to start the second half, before Braden Shager hit Nick Seneca for the 52-yard go-ahead score. San Diego State countered with their own long touchdown pass with Mekhi Shaw being left all alone for a 69-yard house call, giving the Aztecs a 27-24 lead with 13 minutes remaining. The Rainbow Warriors turned the ball over quickly on a fumble, and Lucky Sutton's second touchdown run of the night gave San Diego State a 10-point cushion. Hawaii found the end zone just a minute later and had a chance to take the lead after forcing a turnover on downs with 5 minutes left. Sorry if I sound like a broken record, but Hawaii fumbled for the third time, setting up an easy Aztec touchdown with two minutes left. The Rainbow Warriors were able to knock in a field goal to give them a chance at the onside kick, but they couldn't recover, officially ending San Diego State's four-game skid. Brady Hoax guys get back on track while Hawaii fights hard, but gives the ball away too much to pull off the win. Dylan Manon had one of his more efficient games this year, 18 of 24, 221 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Also ran for 53 yards, as well as a fumble. Lucky Sutton with 23 rushing yards, and the first two rushing touchdowns of his career. Makai Shaw with a breakout game of six catches, 126 receiving yards, and a touchdown, which all led the team. Marcus Radcliffe led the Aztecs with six tackles. Deshaun McEwen had three tackles, a tackle for loss, and the pick six. And Zyrus Fiaseyu continues to be one of the most disruptive players in the conference with four tackles, a tackle for loss, and two forced fumbles. Despite not getting the win, Braden Shager played really well, 29 of 47, 427 passing yards, three touchdowns, and an Interception. Steven McBride had five catches, 157 receiving yards, and a fumble. Nick Seneca, who I did not know this is actually from Montreal, had three catches, 100 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Ofele Ashlock had eight catches, 68 receiving yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. And Peter Manuma had a solid day of nine tackles, a tackle for loss, and an interception. With week seven out of the way, let's talk about what's on the way in week eight, starting with Nevada traveling to San Diego to take on San Diego State. The Aztecs are a 13 and a half point favorite. Big game for both of these teams. The Aztecs got their first win in over a month against Hawaii and will look to make it two straight games against the winless Wolfpack. For Nevada, they're still looking for their first victory after dropping the battle for the Fremont Cannon. The Aztecs will need to avoid turnovers, control the clock, and as mean as this may sound, they need to let Nevada beat themselves. The Wolfpack will need to get their running backs going. Their offense is too predictable if Brendan Lewis is their only efficient weapon on the ground. It cannot Turn the ball over and will need to force a few on their own, and will need to force a few of their own. My prediction even though Nevada's offense had one of its best days of the year against UNLV, I have no faith in their defense as of now. They're giving up almost 40 points a game, and with Jalen Maiden playing well last week, I'll rely on the more established team to get to 500. Nevada turns the ball over several times as the Aztecs cruise to a win. My final San Diego State 38, Nevada 14. Next up, we have number 22, Air Force taking on Navy, the first commander-in-chief trophy game will happen in Annapolis. Navy has won two straight after a 1-3 and three start, and while they aren't as dominant as the Falcons, they do have a top-five rushing offense that is led by sophomore fullback Alex Texa. The only thing Air Force has lacked was a big win, and they got that last week against Wyoming. The offense has so many high-octane options, and the defense has been one of the best in the nation. They'll need to hit some home runs and limit Texa's impact on the game. If they get an early lead, the offensive line can take over and drain the clock to the point of sinking Navy. The midshipmen will have to keep the scoring to a minimum and force some turnovers, which the Falcons had four of last week. My prediction, Air Force's offense has looked arguably better than last year's with how many different players they can have that can hurt you. Zachlaria's absence must be taken into account, but the rest of the main components of the offense are available. Every carry will still be on fresh legs, and I think if they are the New Year's 6 caliber team, we think they are. They should handle Navy even without Larry. I'm going with the favorite here. Look for Emmanuel Michelle to get 30 plus carries and look for everyone else who spring a big play because of the damage he leaves on opposing defenses. My final Air Force 24, Navy 10. Next, we have Hawaii traveling to Albuquerque to play New Mexico. The winner of this game will get a huge momentum boost towards making a bowl game. Both teams are on two game losing streaks with Hawaii falling just short against San Diego State and the Lobos losing steam going into the second half against San Jose State, leading to a 28-point thumping. The Rainbow Warriors must get some big plays from Pofele Ashlock and Stephen McBride, and Braden Shager has to avoid turnovers. New Mexico has to run the ball consistently. That's where Hawaii is the weakest and get pressure on Braden Shager. My prediction, the more I think about it, the more I like New Mexico here. They're at home and have a potent rushing attack that'll be hard to stop. Hawaii's receivers are dominant, of course, but the Lobos have the corners to match up with Dante Martin and Zach Moran. I think Dylan Hopkins is efficient, throws for three touchdowns, and Jakory Krosky Merritt has over 100 yards. As the Lobos take a big step towards elevating their program by winning a close conference game, my predicted final: New Mexico 34, Hawaii 28. Next, we have Colorado State traveling to the Strip to take on UNLV, who is an eight-point favorite. Arguably the most intriguing game of the week, UNLV got a few top 25 votes after improving to five and one by handling rival Nevada, while the Rams pulled a rab- it out of the hat to beat boise state on a hail mary for colorado state to get the upset they'll need Braden fowler nicolosi to protect the football and they'll need the defense to keep everything in front of them they can't allow any home runs from ricky white and their stable of running backs the rebels will have to get the run game going early like ashton Genty and the broncos were able to they have to take as much pressure off of Jaden mayava as possible both literally and figuratively my prediction could the rams make it two straight upsets they have the air raid attack to exploit you UNLV's shaky secondary and are decent at stopping the run. If Braden Fowler and Nicolosi can avoid turnovers, it's doable. The defense forces a pair of interceptions from Jaden Mayava in the first half, giving Colorado State an early lead that they never relinquished. My final, Colorado State 28, UNLV 24. And last but not least, we have Utah State traveling to Sefku Stadium to play San Jose State, who is a five and a half point favorite. The last game of the week to go over. This one should also be a great matchup. Utah State had won two straight before losing in a valiant effort to fresno state the spartans finally got a win against an fbs team comfortably beating new mexico a win here goes a long way for either team trying to get back to a bowl game the aggies will need to utilize the run game since san jose state has the second worst run defense in the country as well as slowing down Kyrie robinson who's been one of the hottest backs in the country The spartans will have to get pressure on cooper laga and get some takeaways as well as chevin cordiero hitting on some big plays that have been lacking up until last week. My prediction, though the Spartans played their best game of the year last week, Utah State has looked better every single week. The offense is incredibly potent, especially with the emergence of X-Factor Jalen Royals. The run game has multiple players who can carry the load, so someone should break free against San Jose State's run defense. The Aggies get to 500 with a big game from Rashul Faizan and the defense, which picks off Chevin Cordiero twice late in the game to seal the deal. My final, Utah State 38, San Jose State 28. Now, before I go let's do this week's extra segment mid-season team mvps who's been your team's leader so far let's talk about it going in alphabetical order i got about four nominees for each place starting with air force we have quarterback zach larrier pullback emmanuel michelle safety trey taylor and edge rusher pj ramsey i decided to go with trey taylor because as good as all of these players have been there's no player that impacts this defense as much as trey taylor he's just a true backbone of this defense especially after Camby Goff got hurt. He's the veteran in that secondary, and he's just been playing incredible this year, a huge reason why they're 6-0. For Boise State, I have running back Ashton Genti wide receiver Eric McAllister, linebacker Marco Notarini, and defensive end Ahmed Hassani. I had to go with Ashton Gentry here. They're, even though they're 3-4, and four, there's no telling where they would be without Gentry's production. He's been arguably the best running back in the country. He can hurt you in the air and on the ground. He's just so hard to stop. No one's figured out how to do it. Yet for Colorado State, I have wide receiver Tory Horton, tight end Dallin Hulker edge rusher Mohamed Kamara, and linebacker Chase Wilson. I'll try to keep recency bias out of this by not taking Tory Horton or Dallin Halker because of their heroics last week, but I am going to go with Mohamed Kamara. He's been by far the best edge rusher in the conference. He has twice as many sacks as anybody. That's with dealing with a bit of an injury. He's absolutely a player that's going to be drafted and playing on Sundays. For Fresno State, I have quarterback Mikey Keene, wide receiver Eric Brooks, linebacker Lavelle Bailey, and corner Carlton Johnson. I decided to go with Carlton Johnson because while the other three names were kind of expected to make a big impact, Carlton Johnson maybe wasn't. And with Cam Lockridge being out for the year, Carlton Johnson stepping up and being that cornerback number one has been so huge for the Bulldogs. His four interceptions is still top in the Mountain West. For Hawaii, I have the wide receiver tandem of Pofale Ashlock and Stephen McBride, linebacker Isaiah Tufaga, and freshman corner Elijah Palmer. I decided to go with Stephen McBride while Pofale Ashlock is a heck of a story just because he's a fresh breaking out onto the scene. Steven McBride wasn't really a guy that I saw as being a guy that's going to have a thousand yards that might put up 10 touchdowns, but that's exactly what he's turned into. He's one of the best deep threats in the entire conference. He's a guy that certainly looks like an NFL player. For Nevada, I only have three nominees for this one. Wide receiver Jamal Bell, strong safety Imani Johnson, and linebacker Naki Matiolona. I decided to go with Naki Matiolona. He's been one of the breakout players for this Wolfpack team. And while the team success hasn't been there, Monte alone is racking up tackles. He's forcing some fumbles. He's affecting the game in a lot of ways, and I think he's going to be one of the reasons why Nevada doesn't end this season 0-12. For New Mexico, I have quarterback Dylan Hopkins, running back Ja'Cory krosky Merritt, safety Tavion Combs, and both star corners Dante Martin and Zach Morris. I decided to go with Ja'Cory krosky Merritt because he probably affects the team's success more than anybody else. He's the engine of that offense. He's one of the top rushers in the conference. If the Lobos are going to make a bowl game, JCM probably needs to have a thousand yards and he certainly looks like he's on track to do that for San Diego State I have quarterback Jalen Maiden tight end Mark Redman linebacker Zyrus Fiasayu and cornerback Noah Tumblin it was a tough decision between the linebacker and corner here but I decided to go with Zyrus Fiasayu because Noah Tumblin was kind of an established starter already while Fiasayu is just broken onto the scene as one of the most disruptive players in the conference he's always forcing fumbles getting to the quarterback making plays in the passing game I can't wait to see what he does throughout the the rest of this season and his career as he's only a sophomore. For San Jose State, I have quarterback Chevin Cordiero, running back Kyrie Robinson, linebacker Brian Parham, and edge rusher Trey Smith. I decided to go with Brian Parham because while that defense isn't the greatest in the world, there's no telling where they would be without Brian Parham. He's the backbone of that defense. He's got as many tackles as anyone in the conference. He'll certainly be pushing 100 tackles when the end of the season comes around. For Utah State, I have receivers Terrell Vaughn and Jalen Royals, linebacker MJ Tafisi and safety Ike Larson I decided to go with Jalen Royals because the other three names on that list were established they're guys you knew were going to star for this Aggies team Jalen Royals was a guy we didn't really see coming into the season as a dynamic awesome player and boy is he he's one of the best deep threats in the conference I've said that a lot but it's true he's been absolutely unstoppable over the last few weeks and I can't wait to see what he does at the end of the year for UNLV I have quarterback Jaden Mayava, freshman running back Jet Thomas linebacker Jackson Woodard and nickel corner Jare Williams. I decided to go with Jaden Maiava because there's been nobody that's been more responsible for them getting to 5-1 and one than him. Even with starting quarterback Doug Brumfield being out, Maiava's really provided a steady hand for this offense. And while the running game has been the main component of the offense, Maiava has been able to make throws when he's been called upon. He's avoided turnovers. He's just playing well beyond his years. And finally, with Wyoming, I have quarterback Andrew Peasley, running back Harrison Whaley, linebacker Easton Gibbs, and and safety Wyatt Eckler. I decided to go with Andrew Peasley because the other three guys you kind of knew were going to produce. You knew they were going to play very well. Andrew Peasley was a guy that we didn't know if he was going to take that next step. You didn't know if he was going to be a liability or a plus, and he's absolutely been a plus for this team. He's providing the veteran leadership for that offense that's dealt with a lot of injuries. He's making plays on the ground and through the air. He's been a lot more consistent throwing the ball, and he just plays winning football, man. That's a big reason why they're five and two. It's a Big reason why they beat Texas Tech. He's making himself a legend in Laramie. Last but not least, our Hikes Peak Weekly MVP for week seven. I'm giving it to Kyrie Robinson. Come on down, Kyrie. The Spartans have him to thank for their biggest win of the year so far with his four touchdowns and almost 200 total yards. Congrats, Kyrie. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll talk about what. What went down in week eight and get you ready for week nine if you enjoyed the episode rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on itunes nothing helps the show out more than that so any ratings would be greatly appreciated follow us on twitter at mwc connection and find all of your mountain west news at mwcconnection.com. thank you again for listening sorry about the episode coming out one day late migraines are the worst but we got through it until next time i'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.